Good evening. I'm Rick Cottom. Welcome to Your Maryland. Sometime in 1836, a young black Dorchester County slave was hired out to rising shipbuilder and political figure John T. Stewart. She was 14, barely five feet tall, but could cut half a cord of wood in a day. Her back, neck, and shoulders were already scarred from beatings, and her forehead bore a terrible scar from a near-fatal head injury inflicted by an overseer that left her with sleeping spells and dizziness. Stewart put her on a timber gang, work that brought her near the docks and the black watermen who knew the ways of the Underground Railroad. In 1842, their paths diverged. Maybe he knew her name, Araminta Ross, though probably not. Seven years later, she escaped to Philadelphia. More slaves escaped from Maryland than any other southern state, but in 1850, the South toughened its stance. The Fugitive Slave Law permitted bounty hunters to hunt down runaways in the free states, ending any safety they might have had there. But Araminta, now Harriet Tubman, had family in Maryland and wasn't about to leave them. In 1851, she made the first of several trips back to the eastern shore with the intention of rescuing her family, especially her sister Rachel. Sometimes she remained on the shore for months, waiting for the right opportunity and creating havoc for slaveholders. In March 1857, eight slaves following a route and instructions she had given them made a spectacular escape through Dover. Slave owners reacted predictably. Free blacks were arrested, sometimes tarred and feathered, and told to leave. In May, Tubman managed to bring her parents out, though both were in their 70s. She then returned for Rachel and two of her children before they could be sold to traders from Georgia. In the face of the crackdown, she had to remain hidden, so she gave instructions to others. That October, 40 slaves made their break from Dorchester, including one party of 28, an incredible number. For three days, this group slogged through the rain, keeping to the woods and the edges of fields, and once shooting their way through a party of rowdy Irish laborers. But they made it. Outraged slaveholders gathered in Cambridge and passed resolutions calling for greater protection of their property. One of the most vocal was John T. Stewart, who had been elected to Congress in 1855 and become an outspoken champion of slavery in the South. The Negro, Stewart argued, is in his happy element on a sugar or cotton plantation and in this condition will scorn the mistaken views of abolitionists to benefit him by placing him on a different theater. The editor of the Easton Star boasted that Stewart had measured lances with and vanquished the most powerful champions of abolition. Perhaps, but Stewart hadn't defeated the tiny, scarred woman who had once been beneath his notice and now was making a public fool out of him right under his nose. Northern newspapers howled with delight as more slaves broke out of Dorchester in December and January. In the end, the slaveholders won by curtailing the personal liberties of whites and blacks alike. Vigilantes swept through the countryside, all but destroying the Underground Railroad in Dorchester, and Harriet Tubman was forced to leave without her sister. Late in 1860, she made one last attempt to rescue Rachel, though by this time slaveholders were watching for her. She reached Rachel's neighborhood only to learn that Rachel had died and that it was impossible to bring out the children. Harriet brought out another couple instead. It was her last trip as an escaped slave. The next time she came south, it was with a Union army. Harriet Tubman, the woman John T. Stewart never bothered to know, was now called the Moses of her people. And just across the New York border, in St. Catharines, Canada, an entire community of black people who had once been slaves in Dorchester County breathed her name with reverence and joy.